Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. I really wanted to take a quick second just to thank all of you who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology Radio. It has been such an exciting adventure for me. There are so many amazing things that are happening over here that I definitely want to share with you. So for the next few months, every person who signs up for my free newsletter will be entered into a drawing. In this monthly drawing, whomever wins will win a free 30-minute Skype call with me, James Miller. I will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. So go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and sign up for my free newsletter there. Who knows? Maybe you will be the lucky winner. So sign up today. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you live in the stillness. I'll also be interviewing Leonard Perlmutter, who is the world's most knowledgeable and respected meditation masters. He's going to be reviewing his new book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, The American Meditation Institute's Empowering Self-Care Program for a Happy, Healthy, Joyful Life. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me on iHeartRadio, as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, such as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but some of you may not yet know me as a composer. I currently have two albums which have been released. Think of both albums like books. Each original composition is written like a chapter in a book. The first album, Consolation, explores a character's grief and loss. And just like in any book, the story explores a character's heartache and eventually he finds healing and hope. The second album, Restoration, explores a character's personal development. He has an awakening, and in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which aren't healthy, and it helps him come to a place of restoration, being restored to something greater than before. You may purchase both albums on iTunes or any other digital music store. The names of the albums are Consolation and Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you are currently hearing is from the second album, Restoration, entitled Awakening. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the Academy entitled Spirit, Mind, Body, The Perfect Triad. This non-religious course helps you understand how your intuition, or rather your gut, your logic, and your body all work together to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Enroll in the class today. Living in the Stillness Have you ever been driving in your car and you think about something that happened last night between you and a friend of yours? And all of a sudden you start to think about the interaction and you get so frustrated and so angry and you get so worked up that you find that all of a sudden anything that happens around you, let's say a slow driver, really annoys you. And then you arrive at work and then your coworkers annoy you and then you find yourself just living in this frustrated state of mind and often you feel as if it was the worst day ever. When I talk about living in the stillness, it's so important for us to understand that regardless of the external circumstances or regardless of the things that happen outside of our control, we can still find peace and tranquility. One of the images that always comes to mind is a pond. Let's say you took a rock and you threw a rock into the water. 
And all of a sudden, the top of the pond has all these waves and it goes out towards the shore. But you think about the fish that are in there. Well, when that rock hits the water, all we see on the outside is the big splash. But the fish in the water, they're not disturbed by the waves that happen because the deeper you are in the water, that's when it's still. So that's why you hear the phrase, still waters run deep. Because the deeper you are in the water, that's where you find the stillness. That's where you find the tranquility and the foundation and the peace. So it's a really good imagery in the sense of regardless of what it looks like on the outside, regardless of what people see, regardless of what happens around us, we can find that stillness and that peace to be able to focus on those things that are healthy for us. Going back to that situation about thinking about your friend and the interaction you had, you've chosen to think about that, not realizing that it is going to permeate your thoughts and it's going to cause you to have a pretty rough day. One of the main things about this particular lesson, because there's a lot we're going to talk about in the actual interview with Leonard Perlmutter, but what I wanted to talk about specifically is just the idea of stillness itself, that regardless of whatever happens in your life, you have the foundational pieces that you create right this moment, determine how you're going to interact, determine how you're going to respond when those situations arise. I've heard it once said that rain falls on the just and the unjust, meaning that regardless if we're considered a good person or a bad person, negative things are going to happen to us. But when we live our life in stillness, when we live our life connected to something greater than ourselves, and you get to determine what that is, that then helps you draw on that source of strength, that source of peace, that source of hope, regardless of any situation you may experience. Whatever a man thinks on, so shall he be. Did you know that I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 150 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show, so these YouTube episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode teaches you one simple lesson that you can practice daily, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and subscribe to my YouTube channel there, or go to youtube.com and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Leonard Perlmutter is one of the world's most knowledgeable and respected meditation masters teaching today. He is a founder of the American Meditation Institute in Avril Park, New York, and his courses are now approved and accredited by the American Medical Association and the American Nurses Association. Today, Leonard is going to talk about his latest book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, the American Meditation Institute's Empowering Self-Care Program for a Happy, Healthy, Joyful Life. Welcome to my show, Leonard. Thank you very much, James. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about your book. This is going to be a phenomenal interview, so I can't wait to really get into the meat of this book. Well, I'm uh, looking forward to it myself. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, one thing I was really excited about when I got your information was, as a practitioner of yoga myself, I have found so many benefits of it. I did it started years ago, and I found out only in my in, in just in my body how my body responded, and uh, with you know not getting any injuries for for the the workouts and exercises that I do. But I also really found that in my own mind how it just really helped me find stillness throughout my day. So I know there's so many things that we're going to talk about today, but I wanted to just, I guess, just let my listeners know too, that I am also a practitioner of yoga myself. That's terrific. That's great. You know, one thing I wanted to, I guess, maybe dispel the myth maybe up front is some people think automatically that yoga itself is some type of, it's, it's maybe a religious, um, a religious modality or it's part of religion. Can we speak a little bit about that before we start? Because I want everyone to understand just where, where you and I are coming from today. Well, uh, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, as the title of the book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, indicates, yoga essentially is a science. Mm -hmm. It's an educational body of knowledge that 
provides an individual a metaphoric bridge. The word yoga means union, and that metaphoric bridge connects our outer actions, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds with our own inner wisdom. And the more that that bridge of yoga, no matter what you call it, you don't have to call it yoga, you could call it Christianity, you could call it Judaism, you could call it Hinduism, you could call it uh, Islam. Words are just pointers. Mm-hmm. But, but every human being needs a philosophy of life to lead them. And what yoga provides is a metaphoric bridge that asks us to base our outer actions on our inner wisdom. If our outer actions are in alignment with our inner wisdom, the consequence is always leading us for the happiness, the health, and the security that we deeply desire. If, however, we do not have a philosophical and scientific bridge in our lives that motivates us to base our outer actions on our inner wisdom, then what we experience is an inner conflict. Mm-hmm. And that inner mental conflict always projects outer conflict. The first experience that we have with outer conflict is the body. So if I have inner conflict and I'm not resolving issues and I'm acting or I'm speaking or I'm thinking in ways that are in opposition to my inner wisdom, gee, I might get a pain in my lower back. Mm-hmm. I might get... Uh, uh, a shortness of breath. I might have high blood pressure. I might have panic attacks. So the pain that the body uh, feels is is not the problem. It's just a symptom of the understanding that I need to make a mid-course correction in my life. I need to base my outer actions on my inner wisdom, and the pain can be ameliorated. Exactly. You know, and I want to take this into more of a psychological standpoint. So in my practice, I talk about this with my patients is uh, forming this would be cognitive behavioral therapy. In other words, whatever whatever my perception is about any situation is going to determine what my emotions are and emotions that are going to tell my body what to do. So it's the same concept. You're coming from a different way, a different modality. And then these different modalities, if you will, these are my words, can then be, if people want to use it in their, in their religious faith, they can definitely use that, incorporate it. But it it is definitely a standalone as well to create Mm -hmm. the philosophical understanding of how we interact internally and externally and making sure that both parts are the same or in other words, in other words, congruent. You you bring a smile to my face. Uh, (laughs) Uh, definitely our mental concepts skew our perceptions. That's very true. So uh, we don't really see the world. Uh, we see the mind. We, we see what we know. And there's a, a great little baseball story uh, that I'm very fond of. I, I, I'm, I'm fond of baseball, and mm-hmm. this is the spring, and uh, uh, ball players are uh, 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 in spring training. And uh, uh, there were, uh, there's a story about uh, three umpires that we're talking about what what makes a ball a ball and a strike a strike. And uh, the first uh, fellow uh, uh, who is a rookie uh, says to the others, uh, I call him as I see him. And uh, the second umpire who had been in the uh, major leagues for about uh, 15 years says, well, I call them as they are. Mm. And the old pro who had been calling balls and strikes in the major leagues for about 25 years look at, looks at the other two and he says, they are what I call them. 
Oh, interesting. So you see and, the evolution of that, of course. Of, of, right. this, yes. And so isn't that true? That's, that's what Shakespeare, uh, speaking as a yoga scientist, Shakespeare says, there is no good, there is no bad, only thinking makes it so. Mm. Very, very wise. So this thinking that we have based on faulty concepts, because we all have faulty concepts that were gifted to us by our parents, by our uh, siblings, by uh, our priests, our rabbis, mm -hmm. by politicians, by celebrities. Many of, the, many of the concepts that we have stored in their unconscious mind are just inappropriate. Correct. And they're and, very skewed, yes. And, and yet, we're attached to them, and we use them most every day to determine our thoughts and our words and our actions, and that's where we get in trouble. That's where we experience pain. Correct. And I might, and once again, in the psychological world, we call those cognitive distortions, thinking errors yeah. that happen, those templates mm -hmm. that we create, we superimpose over every situation which determines the outcome. So the unconscious mind, these, these concepts, are a million times more powerful than good intentions. So the only way that we can change the software of the mind that I know of is through meditation. Meditation is actually an engineering science. Through the practice of meditation and yoga science, we are able to re-engineer the software of the mind. We can transform the debilitating and contractive power of fear and anger and self-willed desire into love and fearlessness and strength. That's it's truly beautiful. a good deal. That's beautiful, yes. Well, let's, let's segue into that. Let's talk about meditation, because like I said, there's so much here we want to, we want to cover today. But let's, let's go right into the next part of meditation, and we'll come back to specifics to the tenets of the book. Sure. But meditation itself, help, help my listeners, maybe who've never meditated before, even know, really have a concept of what, I, what that is, because I know, obviously, in pop culture, meditation is many different things. So why don't you, as the expert, help us understand the specifics of what meditation means? Well, first of all, let me dispel... Uh, the, the doubts and misunderstanding about yoga because, and, and meditation because everybody meditates every day <laughs> we do, on yeah. some level. So uh, let me ask you a question. Sure. James. What do you love to do? I, I, I love to play the piano. I love to, okay. in fact, I just okay. did just before we started. <laughs> okay. So you love to play the piano. Uh -huh. Now, why does James say that he loves to play the piano? Because when James sits down at the piano and his fingers roll over the mm -hmm. keys. In that experience, all of James's mental energy of his mind is focused down to one point. Yes. And, and it's blissful. And, and if the truth be known, I don't want to speak for you, <laughs> but in that experience where you're really loving piano playing, uh -huh. James is no longer there. You're aware of the music, you're aware of the playing, but the separate ego has left stage right, yes. so to speak. It's very true. And so everybody has that. Uh, uh, it could be uh, uh, meditation uh, could take the form of reading a book, uh, taking a look at a beautiful painting, falling in love with a beautiful man, a beautiful woman, a child. It could be, for some people, it could be a trip to well, Las Vegas. So meditation is the one-pointed attention of all of our mental energy to one object and one object alone. So when we do that, we love those experiences. James loves playing the piano. 
But it's not the piano, you see, that's making James happy. It's the one-pointed attention that allows his essential nature, which is bliss and fullness, to appear in his conscious mind. The challenge that we have is that the ego, which is always separating us from our essential nature, comes forward after the playing of the piano has concluded, and the ego, as a color commentator, says, oh, it was the piano that made me happy. Mm. Oh, it was the book that made me happy. Oh, it was my wife that made me happy. Oh, it was my husband that made me happy. But there is no object and there is no relationship in the material world that is subject to change, death, decay, or decomposition that has any power to make us happy. Happiness is our essential nature. Yes, happiness is a choice based on what we focus our attention on. Yes. 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 And that goes back to the whole concept of whatever a man thinks, so, so shall he be. That's in the right. sense of whatever I, whatever I focus my attention on is going to determine what I'm going to do. If my attention is internal based off of what is healthy, right, and joyful for me, then everything I do is going to be directed towards that. So I will draw that towards me because I, that's what I think and that's what I focus on. That's what I will become and that's yes. what I will experience. Yes, the, the entire universe will conspire to bring you the health, the happiness, and the loving, nurturing relationships that you deeply desire because you are in harmony, you are in union with the entire holistic organism. What's so interesting is that every thought that comes into our awareness counts, and yet every thought that comes into our awareness is only a suggestion mm -hmm. of what to give our attention to. It's not a command. And so how do we determine which thoughts to serve and which thoughts not to serve? That, what, that is what differentiates us from every other uh, form of animal. Only the human being has a conscience, one of the four major functions of the mind, the conscience, which is known as the buddhi in Sanskrit. It acts, our conscience acts as a mirror. It can reflect wisdom from the center of consciousness, from what yoga science refers to as the superconscious portion of the mind. The superconscious portion of the mind is beyond the conscious and it's beyond the unconscious. The superconscious portion of the mind is that portion where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations. Mm. It's the same place where uh, Paul McCartney hears beautiful melodies. It doesn't mean, James, that you're going to become a physicist and it doesn't mean that I'm going to become a songwriter if we use our conscience as the basis of all of our actions. What it does mean is, the more that we do that, each of us will be able to access this inner wisdom that will directly and positively enhance every single unique relationship that we have. I agree with you 100%. I think it also goes back to the aspect of when we reach tap in, for some people may call it like that's, that's their spirit or that's their... Uh, connecting to the divine, that part of us that gives us the intuition, that gives us such a holistic awareness of maybe even what our situation is in the moment, or just even the direction our life should go. But I think it really, it helps us tap into something so much greater than what we can, like you said, in our conscious or subconscious mind. And I know, I know times for me, and just an example, because I'm sure many other people have experienced this as well, is I know for me, for example, if I am playing the piano, I find that I get lost in that. And that is, and when my compositions come out, um, mm -hmm. that's how I write, is I literally get lost in it. And I tap into something that is greater than myself. Meaning, <laughs> sometimes when I go back and listen to some of the compositions and some of the albums I've done, I'm like, how in the world did I write that? Because my conscious mind 
it doesn't understand the mechanics of it when it comes out in a very fluid, quick, extemporaneous way. And so I just want to kind of relate that and correlate that with my listeners as well, that I know they too have experienced something that after the fact, they're like, where in the world did I come up with this? Or how did I come up with this? Or that, where, where did this even idea or thought or concept, how did it even uh, come about in my life? But I, I think at a very practical way, they were able to tap into that part that you're discussing. So that brings up a great quote from Albert Einstein, who said, that a problem cannot be solved on the level at which it appears. Mm. It must be solved on a higher level. So that higher level is accessing the superconscious portion of the mind. And we can do that reliably every day in every relationship. We don't have to wait for the inspiration to come to us to uh, uh, lose ourselves in, in uh, the, the music. Yeah. You see, every day, in every moment, if we base our outer actions on our inner wisdom, we can think the thought, speak the word, and take the action that will enable us to fulfill the purpose of our lives without pain, without misery, without bondage. And that's beautiful. And that goes back to the whole concept of meditation. And the meditation then leads towards the, the movements and the, the getting the thoughts and stillness as it relates to the physical poses with yoga. Is that correct? That is correct. You see, even the body is a projection of the mind. Mm -hmm. So why do I have the pain in my back? I have the pain in my back because my mind is attached to things I like and things I don't like. And yet, if I only serve things I like, and, and constantly avoid things I don't like, I'm going to become very mentally inflexible. Mm -hmm. And that mental inflexibility will just reflect itself in the consciousness of every cell of the body, including the muscle sheath. Many people don't realize that we hold tension, we hold stress in our body, you know, in a very fundamental That's level. Right. Let's think about right. going to, you're getting a massage. Well, mm -hmm. the reason why you go to massage is because you're like, oh, you're holding stress in your shoulders. Your shoulders mm -hmm. are really tight. And that's essentially it. If, if I'm thinking about something anxious or have anxious thoughts, and all of a sudden I, certain parts of my body start to cramp up, and then I hold that tension there, well, that's really the manifestation of what my thoughts are. So you're saying the same exact thing in a slightly different direction. You're coming from the place of, of stillness and in relation to how to expel it. And I'm talking about how we internalize it uh, based off of our thoughts, kind of what we were talking about before. So the, the, the equation or the mechanics, if you will, is what you're saying. If, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is every moment having that meditative mind and living in that, that mentality will then help your body then be the most flexible, be the most um, healthy. healthy, thank you, healthy, healthy it can be. And then practicing the yoga itself is another manifestation of that healthy awareness or healthy conscious mind. That's right. Uh, all, all the body is in the mind. And yet all the mind is not in the body. See? Yes. And through, and through meditation, reliance on the mantra, the mantra leads you from your conscious mind to the center of consciousness. So when you listen to the mantra, you begin to notice that the mantra arises from the silence, from the unknown, and it returns to the unknown. It returns to the silence. So the mantra is our leader in meditation. It is leading us from the, from the silence into the silence. 
where consciousness observes consciousness without an object. Mm. And that makes sense to me as someone who's done yoga. For some of my listeners who don't know what a mantra is, could you explain that to them? Sure. A mantra is a word or a series of words containing the name of the supreme reality. Mm -hmm. We refer to it as God. Mm -hmm. And every single religion and spiritual tradition has mantras. So in Christianity, just the name of Jesus mm -hmm. is a mantra. Yes. Okay. Uh, in Hinduism, Rama is a mantra. In, uh, the, uh, uh, in Judaism, Baruch Atah Adonai. So there are different mantras for different traditions. And they all have the same capacity. They all return to the origin from which they came. Mm. And if the truth be known, we all only have one origin. So when the mind is made one-pointed, not on the piano, not on, on the book, not on the movie, but on the mantra, the mantra will return to its source of origin. And because the mind is one-pointed on the mantra, the mind will also experience its source. And when that is experienced in deep meditation, you begin to annihilate the separation between you and everything else. Yes. It's a change in paradigm. I am no longer an individual subject, and everything I perceive through my brain and senses is no longer an object. We see the unicity within the diversity, mm -hmm. and that means we eliminate the space between the two, between Leonard and James, and with that annihilation of the space is the end of fear. Because if there is no space between me and James, what is there to fear? Whom is there to fear if there's only one? Yes. So the first great freedom that you experience in meditation is the freedom from fear. It's not that you're not aware of fear, you're just no longer hijacked mm. by the fear as much as you were. Because it goes back to your perception. For one, you're not focusing on the external version or just even the internal manifestation of what fear is. That's you're right. lost in the, going back to the origin of whatever that mantra is, if, whatever, if people use it mm -hmm. in their religion or not, they go back to that and they feel one with that, that's um, right. with that entity, if you will, yes. in my words. And in that, that's where anything can be dispelled. Anything at all that, right. that in their own conscious or the, the minutia of the world yes. uh, is, is completely, like you said, annihilated. So that's a powerful uh, you know, word. Go, that I love going, that word with that. Yes, and so you know, just going back uh, to to the fact that uh, it is the mantra that leads you to that silence beyond the boundaries of thinking, beyond the boundaries of feeling. And again, what Shakespeare says that thinking makes it so. So if you can still be aware, but no longer be thinking, just like James experiences when he's playing the piano, he's not thinking where the fingers are going. They just go. That's their nature. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. Very I, I think, joyful. Yes, it really is. And I really hope my listeners understand, you know, some of these concepts may be, be newer to some of, the, some of the individuals. But I really, I really want the takeaway to be as, or many takeaways, but one of the takeaways, I think, in a very fundamental way is whatever you focus your attention on, your, your, that laser focus is going to determine what, where you go in that second or where you go in life. But when you focus on something that's 
that is your mantra, if you will, if you use that through religion, if you use that through a, a concept or philosophy, the closer you are to that, the closer you are to experiencing joy, joy unspeakable, peace unspeakable. And so I would really want my listeners to really concentrate on that is, is the takeaway. And when you meditate, which is simply thinking about something holistically and as much as you can, that is then helps you reach this level of joy, of peace, of fulfillment in your life. And you know, James, on a very practical day-to-day basis, it does several other things. First of all, it helps to train my mind to be one-pointed. Mm-hmm. You know, the culture is, it's very fashionable in the culture to uh, 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 try to uh, engage people in multitasking. <laughs> yes. the, the only problem with that is it's impossible to multitask. It is. In order, for, um, in order for you to delude yourself into believing that you're multitasking, tremendous amount of adrenaline has to be surging through the system, poisoning the system, depressing the immune system, mm-hmm. depressing the mind to provide you the illusion that you're actually doing two things at the same time. Which it's is impossible. It's, yeah, because that really is only, when it comes to the multitasking component, that really is only um, illicit or really only happens in the fight or flight. And the fight or flight isn't supposed to happen on a daily basis. That's right. You know, you look at the conscious mind, or the, they typically say it's less than 2%, and that the studies have now changed significantly when it says that who can truly multitask. But mm-hmm. the multitasking doesn't really mean that you're multitasking everything. It's just simply That's in right. that moment it's re- you're of You're really good at dropping what you need to drop <laughs> exactly. to give your full attention to object number two. I, I'm, when I was a kid, I, I was a short order cook uh, uh, during the summers. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, some of these uh, uh, great uh, short order cooks that I had worked with and learned under, uh, they were meditators, you see, because unless you're riveted in a one-pointed manner, it might look like you're doing a lot of things at the same time, but unless you have full attention on the toast and the coffee and the eggs, you see, Mm -hmm. you're going to wind up with burnt toast. You're going to wind up uh, with (laughs) uh, eggs eggs that are burnt. You're going to wind up with coffee that's cold. Yes. It's, it's that spinning plate mentality, constantly looking That's at right. everything at once That's as you're right. never fully looking at something. That's right. Well, Leonard, unfortunately, our time is almost up. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and about your book, this amazing book, which I highly recommend to them, where will they find information about you in this book online? Well, uh, the book can uh, be purchased uh, online at, at, at Amazon. <clears throat> can be purchased at uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, we have a website at AmericanMeditation.org. Uh, we have uh, retreats, we have classes, uh, both live and online. Uh, we also have uh, uh, an annual conference for physicians and nurses. We are the first and only organization that presents the entire science of yoga that has been certified by the American Medical Association for Physicians and the American Nurses Association uh, for Nurses. So there's lots of different ways uh, that uh, you can find this material of the heart and science of yoga, and I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Leonard, what I'm going to do as well is I'm going to put this on my storefront, jamesmillerlifeology.com. So my listeners, if you're not able to find it anywhere else on Amazon, just simply go to my website and under the store, you will find this book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, and I'll link it directly to Amazon. That's terrific. I appreciate that. Well, Leonard, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I can't wait to get some feedback from my listeners as far as how this concept of meditation and yoga, how it's really making a difference in their own lives. Let me uh, just uh, leave with uh, one, one final thought, just to reprise something I, I said before, because the key to all of our power in the world has to do with our thoughts. But every thought is only a suggestion. It's not an imperial command. 
And yet, your own inner wisdom can tell you 24-7, what is the thought to think? What is the word to speak? What is the action to take that will always lead you for your highest and greatest good? Wonderful. On that note, we can <laughs> that's a definitely beautiful takeaway for each one of us. So thank you once again for being a guest on my show today. A real pleasure. I also want to thank you, my listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with me. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for my newsletter, enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or advertise on my show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. You may also follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Have a fantastic day, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon.